day. So every day we start fresh because we can't affect the past, but we damn sure can make a difference today. Welcome to episode 88 of Shop Talk. It's Carrie. Jennifer. And we've made it to the season finales of The Rookie and The Rookie Feds. Um, There was a lot that went on and we're, well, I'm impatiently waiting. Jennifer had written patiently waiting (laughs) for September um, because we need the two cliffhangers resolved and we'd kind of also like to know the status of feds as yeah. far as what they're doing. So the there's a lot feds, still in play. <laughs> yeah. The status of feds, I don't have to wait until September. I mean, they could give it to me within the next few weeks and I'd be fine. Well, yeah. But I mean, yeah. just, you know, lots to, a lot of things still up in mm-hmm. the air, kind of. Yeah. I will say after this episode of feds, I really need more of Carter Hope. Please. <laughs> this man's hilarious Mm -hmm. yeah um so we don't i mean we don't really have like a lot a lot of news but we'll just uh go ahead and talk about a couple things uh eric and Rosalind had felix elise aka garza on their podcast uh this week so that was cool um he talked about like acting and just you know a little bit of fed stuff and just like all the things Mm -hmm. so check it out if you haven't already it's a good episode Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like with this with the family feud stuff with the tiktok like feds has to be getting renewed they would not be doing all this like promo for them if they weren't getting renewed but maybe that's just me so hope so yeah um and then as you may know the writer's strike started on tuesday um and from all the articles that have came out it looks like it doesn't totally affect scripted like series um just yet it affects more like the late night shows like the like snl everything like that um but depending on how long it goes on it could affect when the cast goes back for filming when the shows come back come back etc so yeah. Um, and we're fully in support of the writers and want them to get the compensation and like the work-life balance that they deserve. Um, they play a huge part in making our favorite shows happen and, you know, writing these ships and everything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And like or, actors can play it, but there'd be nothing for the yeah. actors to play. Would it yeah. not be for the yeah. writers? So, yeah. We're impatiently waiting for the next seasons, but we're also patiently waiting for this strike. So, yeah. Um, But hopefully they can come to a resolution, like, somewhat quick. I know the last one in 07 lasted, like, 100 days, so. Oh, is that really the last? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I remember that. Yeah, because it it did affect the Friday Night Lights was cut Mm -hmm. uh, short at that time. Yeah. But I mean, that was a while ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it had been that long. Goodness. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure there'll be, um, you know, more updates as it goes on. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I just looked up what 100 days from like today, May 3rd, being is and it's friday august 11th so like if it is to go a hundred days we're looking at like august finally yeah, like it's a little getting over everyone back. so it could push shows to like mid-season but i mean yeah. it's yeah. out of everyone's hands so yeah cross that bridge if mm-hmm. if it 
comes to it. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, we don't really have any other news. Like we just have some intense episodes to talk about. So let's get started. Um, first is the rookie titled Under Siege. Um, and this one, listen, I didn't know that I needed this episode until I had it. Like it was all the things. It almost seemed like Rookie and Feds like did a swap. Like Feds was a little lighthearted. They still have like an intense case, but it was a little lighthearted, a little comedic. And this one was just intense, whereas Feds usually is. But um, Aaron, so we'll start off with Aaron and Selena. They're walking home after a late night of par- playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, one, this is the BFF duo that we needed. Number two, is this the same outfit that she wore on her date with Scott at the end of the last episode? The jacket is familiar, but I feel like she was wearing black pants before and she's wearing jeans now. I mean, I thought she was wearing like a brown jacket. Was the jacket brown? I don't know. Maybe. I'd have to go back and look, but they're out until like 4 a.m. So, um, and Selena like hears a noise in, in the dark alley and stops them. And Aaron's like, look, if you're looking for trouble, you're going to end up finding it. They then hear a person scream and Selena's like, should I call it in? And Aaron's like, why so we can get laughed at like when it's nothing and so they decide to go further into the alley without calling it in and they split up from each other but not before doing their like bff handshake um and we just need this duo to be around more in season six like that's part of the cliffhanger but we're gonna hope for positive things so we see a masked guy like waiting for selena behind a wall she like kind of starts to continue on and then she hears Aaron scream but Aaron you know like another masked guy is waiting for Eric to Aaron to walk by um and he kind of like gets his attention and then another guy is like on the other side to ambush him um and so Selena like runs up with her gun drawn after she hears him like fall to the ground and scream or whatever and so another the masked guy i'm assuming that was waiting for her comes up behind her and knocks her to the ground aaron's then shot in the back and after he's shot they pick up the shell casing um and so selena's not out totally um she's not out cold but one of the masked men tells her to remember this and tells her the riddle and so then like he calls for help but can't finish the call and so she crawls over to aaron and we like then cut over to balin um, she's working the late shift he can't sleep so he's working on Simone's garage conversion um, and then Bailey's called to the scene where Aaron and Selena are and at that point all she knows is an officer like off-duty officer has been shot so then we cut over to Gray who's woken up by a phone call and he just like darts out about it with Luna asking what happened we go back over to the scene everyone's rolling out police ambulance like the whole thing And Bailey's partner is helping Aaron while she's helping Selena. We see Gray, like, get out. He's immediately spewing orders, as he should. Um, And Gray then meets with Selena, who's, like, relaying what they should do. And he's like, we're already on it. Like, just go to the hospital. Harper's going to take your statement. And then Gray asks Bailey how bad Aaron is. And she's just like, it's bad. And I had flashbacks to his reaction with, with Jackson. And I was like, nope, don't want this this they can take this all back right now 
And so then Chenford like comes up, Greg gives them the rundown, they go from there or whatever. And Aaron then makes it into the ER and the doctors and nurses are doing their thing, assessing him, like stating what they need. This is all before the cold opener too. And his pulse isn't good. He's now being intubated. And so then like, we kind of see John like walk out of the elevator. He finds Lopez asking what happened. They only know about Aaron. And then Selena's rolled in who does not want to be on that gurney. She starts to tell John about the riddle and he's like, okay, well, after they check you out, like I'll talk to you. And Selena's like, no, like it has to be now. What if I forget? And she like even grabs a hold of like his jacket. Um, and uh, it's just, it's so good. Lisette like acted her butt off with all of this. And John records the riddle, tells Nylon Wopez about it. Angela's like going to go up to labor and delivery, but wants John to send her the riddle. And she's like, I'll probably have time to work on it. Like if this baby's anything like Jack, it'll take a while before she makes an appearance. Which reminder, we were ripped, like we were, we were gypped of seeing Angela and Wesley have baby Jack. Um, but Bailey comes out to see John and Nyla saying that Aaron has the best trauma surgeon around, like he'll be fine. Nyla then tells John that like, you know, he can stay with Selena, like no one will think twice of it. And John's like, yeah, I'll never hear the end of it. Like if I don't find out who did this. So Bailey then tells her about the masks and John's like, I'll get a sketch artist to meet with Selena after the doctors look at her. And she's in the ED, like, watching Aaron across the way get, like, an ultrasound on his abdomen done. Then here's his BP is plummeting. Like, there's free fluid in a quadrant of his abdomen. It's likely a spleen. And so Aaron's in surgery. They're talking about doing a splendectomy. Um, and that's kind of all that we see of him. And then everyone's in the roll call room. Like, we go back to the team. Gray's briefing them on what they know about the case and what they're going to do. And Selena helps them draw sketches of the masks that the assailant wore. They're not just your typical Halloween masks. Um, they try to like identify the manufacturer. Lucy's going to help with that. John's like, I'll look at the social media. That's being, you know. Um, and Lucy is just like, yeah, I compiled a list of everyone who's done time for assaulting a police officer. But the question being like was this specific to Aaron and Selena and why not just kill Aaron and then another question that they have is is this related to his family like he's a public figure and then Nyla's like well what if this was done by Elijah and you know he could still have powers behind bars and Gray's like well you would think that they would target Angela first but okay what did you think when they were like what if it's Elijah like were you expecting that no not really so i was coming home from getting dinner and i was playing this like probably not so safe on the bluetooth of my car um and i was like elijah when when they said elijah because i obviously didn't know what was going on um when they said elijah i was kind of like thrown off and i was still even like well how could he have anything to do with this but never doubt elijah stone so then Luna like says that she just heard about Aaron. He's still in surgery because she comes in um, and which I thought it was kind of odd that she was in the episode. Like it made me worried that Greg was going to get hurt or something. But then like she helped. So I was kind of like, okay, I don't know. I guess James was in it too. So it wasn't like totally out of the realm, but 
Um, yeah, so Aaron or so Luna's just like, yeah, I heard Aaron's still in surgery. We then cut over to him. The machines are beeping, his BP and O2 are falling, like his lungs are filling with fluid. So they're gonna do a chest tube. Um, and then things stabilize once that's done. So Selena's like laying in the hospital bed, zoning out, Bela Knox. They bring stuff so she can like have a calming place of recovery you know, quartz for healing, obsidian for protection. And John's like, and I have your favorite meatball sub. And she's like, I could eat too. And John's like, yeah, they're both in there. Bailey thought I was crazy. And Bailey and mom and dad said us. I mean, yeah, I just love how they've like taken Selena like under their wing. Mm-hmm. And so Selena like asks for updates on the case and John just tells her there's a long list of people who didn't do it. And Bailey just like leaves to see if there's any updates on Aaron. And like when, when she leaves, Selena's like, I should have called it in. I shouldn't have left his side. Like she's already blaming herself. And John's like, if there's anything that you can learn from this, like a lesson, then take it. That's great. But like, it sounds like you're not making a rational assessment and like, Sounds like you're blaming yourself. And John reminds her that she was ambushed, that they were ambushed and outnumbered. And like after taking a knock to the head, like she called for help and administered first aid before help could arrive. Like because of her, Aaron has a chance. And Bailey then pops her head in and Aaron's out of surgery. And so like we go over to the rest of the team. The surgeon's telling everyone about the surgery. They ran into a few hiccups, but everything went as expected. But the next 12 hours are critical. And so Chenford comes in telling everyone that no, their CIs have heard anything. And, you know, they're not, they're still not having any luck with the manufacturer for the mask. So John then asks about Elijah and is looking at communication going in and out of the prison. And he's like, nothing indicates that he's involved. So he's out of this equation. And Luna ends up giving them an update on the riddle saying there's nothing 100% positive on the riddle front, but like the front half is simple. The back half is confusing and Wopez is deep into it, which like, honestly, couldn't think of anyone better for it. Like, do we all remember their murder boards? I mean they're they're the best at solving mysteries so gray then is like well this case isn't gonna break tonight like we should all just go home and get some sleep the night shift will run the leads that come in he's gonna stay with aaron though keep an eye on selena too um and so ever after everyone leaves luna's like it's gonna be okay and gray is just like it has to be because i can't lose another which this man is hurting um and when i wasn't watching the episode like completely live i had first seen that on twitter like just i can't lose another and i don't know why i thought that was chenford but i guess then i saw the chenford hug because it was like all kinds of lagged and all that and so i thought that that was chenford for a minute and she and it was lucy like talking about a friend um which both would have been valid honestly and so walpez is looking at the board in her hospital room you know they look perplexed with the riddle but like also tired angela's cheetah print robe over the hospital gown was amazing you're channeling your inner angela lopez right now and i love Mm -hmm. that um but we see chenford like walk into the apartment like we cut over to them they put their bags down he pulls her in for a hug and a kiss to the head and i'm gone like that was it there was no more of me um 
but we see Selena outside of Aaron's hospital room. She's talking to him about their Dungeons and Dragons game, replaying it for him. She tells him that like she needs him to roll a natural 20 and destroy the Labradoodle. Um, which like with this analogy, the Labradoodle is death. And so towards like the middle of the episode, Hamza Young, who is the masked assailant that John shot, is brought into the ER. Nyla shares that according to the feds, like he flew in two weeks ago from Poland and went off the grid. And so that's kind of all that we hear from him, like about him really. And after the FaceTime between Wopez Gray and the team, um, after like Angela's had the baby, there's so many different cuts that it was hard to outline it, but it was also like, I'm just going to put this all into one like storyline pretty much. Um, so after the FaceTime between Wopez, Gray, and the team, we cut back over to Aaron and Selena. He's still in the coma. Selena reminds him about the Labradoodle, and she's just like, push through, rally, like, we need you here. And the team is, like, we go back over to the team. They're briefed on the masks, how they were obtained, everything like that. And Roy Greco is the one who purchased the masks. And he turns out that he's a two-time villain with a history of violence. And they don't know what's beef with Mid Wilshire, but he does have a first felony conviction that came from one of the arrests that they made. But like those arresting officers have since been transferred. So it still doesn't add up to any of them. And Tim's like, well, I don't understand this riddle. Like, should we follow it? Should we not? Like, you know, what should we do? So they're improving their force. They end up going to Greco's house with the long guns. They find the dead, they find the dead man who turns out to be Roy. Um, and he, like, there's another team of cops who are walking by the store and it's kind of like a jar and we see it wired with something on the inside and someone like goes to reach for the doorknob, but doesn't completely open it. And Tim's like, it's a trap. Everyone get out. You know, we're aborting this mission. So they now, now they're wondering if Greco was in charge of this crew or not. And so the Emmy put Greco's time of death before Aaron and Selena were ambushed. So the riddle led them to the house so that they could be blown up, basically. And John's like, are we any closer to finding out who shot Aaron? Um, and it turns out that TID is processing the house, um, but they're not going to find anything. These guys are pros at all of this. So Tim's like, well, we should move on. But Lucy disagrees. And she's like, if Greco has a patsy, then we should be asking why him? You know, is there some kind of connection? Or did they pull out his name out of the database? And so she plays devil's advocate. And she's like, if I was going to the extreme of taking out police officers, why not take out some of my enemies along the way? And so they end up getting a list of who would have killed Roy Greco. And, you know, there's seven people who have a troubled history with both Greco and one of the cops. And Gray wants Metro knocking on the doors of the people at the top of the list. Um, and so the other three are the nonviolent offenders. So the top four are the ones that are more violent. The bottom three are nonviolent offenders. But, you know, Nolan and Harper are checking one out. Lucy's going to go check out Moran. Um, and Gray's like, no, you're not going by yourself. Tim says that he'll go with her. And then Jan and Rodriguez are going to go visit Howard. And so then, like, we'll kind of get into it in a minute. But, like, Chenford's then attacked and Moran is shot. Um, and then it goes into Aaron flatlining. So just as Moran is shot, Aaron then flatlines. 
And the end of the episode, we see like a cavalry of cops drive by. Um, and when we see the mysterious voice on the phone, like, you know, he's laughing because they're driving the opposite way. And he's like, we re- we weaponized Luke Moran against the LAPD. And, you know, it's driven every cop in the city away from their target. By the time they realize that the damage is done, like, me and the rest of my team will be long gone. So we have the two cliffhangers right there, like Aaron Flatlines and this guy is a threat to LA. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they kind of continue that storyline. What did you think of the cliffhangers? Um, I mean, they were... I, I mean, I knew they weren't going to be able to wrap everything up, so I knew they yeah. would, I understood why they did both cliffhangers. I just didn't... I, why did one of them have to be Aaron? Aaron. That's all. Yeah. yeah. When Gray went in after Moran alone, I literally thought that Gray was the second cliffhanger. I was like, we know that Aaron's going to be the cliffhanger. Yeah, I was like, oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh no. But then whenever, or when... um you know, backup showed up. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, because of course they wouldn't really leave. Like, they definitely know the importance of sticking together after yeah. all of what's happened. So, yeah. No, I thought it was great because I was like, well, that would explain why Luna's here. Like, you know, because we're going to see her kind of deal with this. But then when the rest of the team went in for backup, is great. I was like, okay. Thank goodness that they're not doing this to two of our favorites, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I was not, I was kind of expecting that for Aaron, but I was like, I don't want this. So they can take it back. They can take it all back right now. Um, But of course, as this episode went on, the team and their pairings all got attacked in one way or another. And so we'll kind of get into that next because it like it all ties together into the main case obviously but like they each had such like intense scenes during all this that it was it was crazy to watch so Balin gets home with the food we see this in the sneak peek John's just like looking on the internet for the creepy masks and Bailey's like yeah that sounds like a hot date and I'm like all right well you guys haven't had normal dates so I guess like this just seems right up your alley and so he pulls her aside, telling her to call 911, like, because he sees the creepy mask out in the backyard. And he then goes outside with his gun drawn, and it's a fake out. And, like, as she's calling the cops, you see the door behind her open. Um, and there's another masked guy inside. A fight scene and shootout happens between Balin and this guy. And it's just it's so crazy the like shot of when he shot his gun and the salad just like goes all over the place i loved that um Mm -hmm. but bailey ends up yelling catching this guy off guard john takes another shot at him they're both fine um somehow because bailey was like thrown against a wall then onto a table her head was like bonked into things like she just like really went through it and she's like no i'm fine like it's just a few bumps like it's no big deal not like I wanted her to be down for the count or anything, but I just thought, because, like, the preview, when yeah. they cut it off as she was, you know, going to get attacked or whatever, I thought, okay, here, she's actually going to get, like, really yeah. hit over the head. No, then she just goes into the, you know, whatever 
martial arts training she has and just all the things I was like I mean like good for her for being a badass but like I just I don't know why I actually thought that that they would I don't know why I thought they would not make it out unscathed Mm -hmm. or relatively speaking I was gonna say I feel like that's a very Bailey thing like she could be like tortured in so many ways and she's just gonna come out on top and be like I'm fine no big deal Mm-hmm. so John then says that they have to warn everyone because if they went after Bela and like and Aaron and Selena who's next and then we cut over to Nylon James and this storyline was just this attack was we did not need this I don't know what I needed for this one but it was certainly not this so it's like freaked me the fuck out I was like no yeah we're not doing this yeah other shows do it and stress me out don't need it with this show yeah i don't think i was seeing it last night i don't think that we've ever been on the edge of our seat as much as we were for this episode than we have been in the past like the rookie really brought this brought their a game mm-hmm. but i don't know this one also kind of reminded me of remember the double date episode where nyla like had james and that alonzo guy like on the double date and then Wesley like it was a Wesley and Elijah thing and so Elijah like had a camera into baby Jack's room or something kind of reminded me of this like in a way but we cut over to Nylon James and he got he just got Leah down for bed um which I saw your tweet about like the canon spelling for Leah and subtitles put an h at the end so yeah i don't know um but nyla's busy on her laptop she's you know looking for everything but also not really knowing totally what to look for and james hands her a glass of wine that she declines because she's like no i have to see sharp and so he just like pours her glass into his which like whole mood during this episode let's be real i mean he the way that he just poured it was like listen we all kind of need that right now and so Nyla then gets a call from John. She stands up immediately. She's freaked out. And she tells James that they have to go now. And she like runs over to look at the baby monitor to find a masked guy in Leah's bedroom. Like he's looking over at the crib and then like looks up at the camera. And it's it's just creepy. We don't need this. And so she tells James to grab her gun and she's running up the stairs and it she makes she gets there too late. Um And so they run outside to see the masked assailant in a car and, you know, he starts to drive off. And of course, Nyla's like thinking the worst, trying to get the license plate number. But then they find Leah by the stump of the tree, which I have questions. Like, how did he get out of the house, like on the second story with a baby and not like injure her? I mean, I guess that's why they were getting her checked out. But still, like, it was just, it was crazy. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So we go back over to Balin um, and they're talking about the masked assailant who ambushed them. He's denying the questions of like who hired him, even saying that he's just a tourist there to CLA. Chenford and Gray come up. They've run his prints. His name is Hamza Young. He's a professional mercenary and is wanted in connection of three foreign assassin- assassinations. And so they just want to know who hired him. But like he's insisting that if they read his file, they'd know. And so Tim's like, this guy isn't obviously going to get us anywhere. So now we're in DEFCON 1 territory. And they have to assume that all the hitters have the same skill level. 
So basically have to isolate everyone that they care about. And, you know, that's going to take a lot of space. But Gray just mentions that Aaron's parents rented a whole floor in the Peninsula Hotel. And he's like, I tried to talk them out of it. But, you know, they said that it's just money. And Tim's like, all right, fine. We just need heavy security in the lobby um, with the SWAT team guarding every elevator or stairs and lucy's like we should move everyone covertly so that like you know the home seems occupied maybe we could draw on another attack and then bailey asks gray about nyla james and leah and he's just like yeah they're at the hospital getting leah checked and gray's like that's where you two should be um and john's like yeah we'll go and get checked but i'm getting right back into the game after that so John then asks about Leah, like to Nyla and Nyla's like, you know, she's fine. Thank God. And James is taking her to the hotel. And so then like he piggybacks off Nyla's question from the previous day. And he's like, well, why didn't they take Leah? Like why grab her just to leave her behind? And Bailey's like, it seems like their goal is to torture the cops as much as possible. So then we get over to our last, like, ambush um and chenford is at moran's place she tells him that they should be out with metro it's not even really well yeah it is his place it's just in like a sketchy kind of area um and chenford is at moran's place and you know she's she tells tim that he should be out with metro they have a little banter you know she's like i don't need you protecting me and he's like i know that but you know I'm here and she's like so what are you saying like you need me protecting you and he kind of responds with a clearly you know me so well call back to 211 um and Lucy's like well I'm happy that you're my six like he agrees they end up knocking on Moran's door and he's on the other side obviously hearing their muffled voices um and so then he sends a text to someone and tells them to like come and get Chenford and the partners hear the door open like down the hall and they see an army of masked offenders like coming at them with bulletproof shields and what looks like swords but they must have been batons because they weren't cutting anyone and so they call chenford obviously calls for backup they start shooting at them nothing's happening um i didn't know why they kept shooting i mean i appreciate their effort yeah they could have stopped shooting after maybe the first i don't know five bullets didn't go like because obviously they were like the shields shields. yeah Yeah. but like riot yeah Yeah. something similar to that effect or at least like aim the gun like a different way so that it wasn't like i mean it was like straight on to like aim it at the ceiling to like get something to knock them down i don't know yeah but yeah it seems like it was a weird like start to the shootout scene so but, i mean that it freaked me out when i just saw all of them and they just kept coming and i was like yeah. nope yeah i was nope. expecting like maybe one or two but not that many i they was just, like they just multiplied it was yeah and then it was ridiculous. like after so long as this kept going on it was kind of like okay well who's down and out and who's not like are we just piling on more people are they just like coming out of the woodwork because yeah you know they start like chunford starts running shooting more again like why um to the point where tim like runs out of ammo and after a second they put away their guns they get their batons out coming up with the game plan and so they get these masked guys down shoot at another two they start to run but they keep coming for them like 
I thought that they had all of them down and then they start to run and two more come. I'm like, where are these people coming from? So John and Nyla roll up as backup. Tim's out of ammo. He pulls out his mace. Lucy's like getting choked. So like John goes in some door to come get Chunford from behind. Like Nyla's taking a couple of shots from the shop. She's successful in shooting them. It's just, it's all so crazy. And so like, this is where I was kind of like, all right, where can they go from here? Like, I thought John was going to go in and, like, help them. I thought he was, like, going to go and, like, take down the masked defenders more so than, like, pull Chenford out of the crossfire. So, um, the masked guys are all arrested and Gray's coming up, like, seeing, and as he's coming up to the scene, he sees Moran running. And so he follows Moran through an abandoned building and, like, goes down into this basement area Moran makes a call to like a mysterious voice and he has to hang up when Gray's trailing behind him or whatever. And so Chenford, John, and Nyla come up as backup and they're like walking through this basement. Moran starts shooting at them and he talks about how he ended up here and his case, which I didn't catch this in the beginning. I saw it all over Twitter after, but like there was a callback to 111 with the elder abuse storyline with Jackson and Angela and he is the <laughs> same guy from that. Yeah. So then I was like, does he think that Aaron is Jackson? And that's why, like, all this happened. Or was he even the one that, like, instigated the hit on Aaron? Like, who knows? It could have been the mysterious voice, dude. Yeah, I still just, I, I still just don't really understand. Yeah. Like, because like you said, I mean, because but Aaron's not Jackson. So it's like... Mm-hmm. I just don't, I mean, I don't know. And then Were they just, supposed to go after Angela? No, then, I'm, I'm not putting that out there. No, and then just, I take that but back. But then because like Selena was there too. So it's kind of like she was just in the wrong yeah. place at the wrong time. But then I don't, I mean, hopefully it'll make, well, it's not make more sense. Nothing mm-hmm. really that sinister ever makes logical sense. But, um, or was it just like, if it's just it's probably just part of the overarching yeah. plan that they have yeah that's what i was gonna say is or was it just like it could have been chumford walking through that alley at night and like they were the ones that got you know yeah, like I was it just, just like hatred of police yeah i think yeah but that's just know. my opinion i don't know and then other people also called out that the mysterious voice guy was behind nolan in the elevator I'm like, oh my god, this this fandom is so smart because I would have never caught on to any of that. I mean, yeah, that when I went back and watched for the second time, yeah, that I saw mm-hmm. pretty darn sure it was the same person. Yeah. There are just a lot of there are a lot of theories still mm-hmm. out there in the social media yeah. sphere. Yeah, we haven't even made it a full 24 hours and there's like all these theories. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. It was a lot. I don't know. I just I want Aaron to be okay, and I just I want everything to be fine. So, because mm-hmm. we were really loving Aaron this season, and I want to keep him. Mm-hmm. But last up is the Wolpes stuff for the rookie. Um, no, I mean again, it just like kind of intertwines with the rest of the story, but they had happy moments. So. 
Well, Pets is getting out of the elevator. She's like, I can walk by myself. Like, I don't need help. And she's wondering if he set the security alarm. He's just focused on getting her in a hospital bed because her water broke during all of this. And so they then see Aaron being rolled in, Bailey sharing what his condition is. Um, and they don't really know anything else besides that, as far as like what happened or anything. So, um, you know, kind of later in the episode, Wopez more so Angela is on a mission to solve this riddle, like even erasing the whiteboard in her room with the details of her labor. And Wesley's like, I'll write the riddle on the board because you are having contractions. And so Luna Gray comes in. She's like, I do three crossword puzzles a day. So I'm here to help. And she poses the question of what if it's about the victim, not about the attacker. And the attacker thinks that Selena and Aaron are to blame and guilty. And so Angela just wonders where all of this started. And Wesley's like, he cautiously answers with an arrest. Cause like to him, everything starts there. Um, but you know, he's, they're like, well, if it's someone that Aaron and Selena arrested, like it would make sense. But then I had the question of, well, why would they be working together? Because he's a P2 and she's a rookie. She's not his rookie and he's not a TO. So it's not like they did like a switch. Like the switch up. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It was just kind of like, it was weird to me. Maybe it was just meant to be like a thrown off question. Um, But Angela's having another contraction as they're like working on the riddle. And they're like, you know, well, maybe Selena heard the last line wrong. And Wesley gives a suggestion, but he's like, I have no idea what it could possibly mean. And so Angela's like, why are we even taking this at face value? Like the first few lines are already deceptive. What if the last line is too? And so they start reading everything backwards. Um, Wesley's like, what if it's a Samorta lap? And uh, both women look at him like he's crazy. And it spells palindromes backwards. Um, and he's like, if the word is backward, maybe the sentence is too. And so they read the sentence backward and it's trap evil, a reviled God. Um, and so the doctor like comes in wondering what's going on, you know, what they're doing with the board. Like, she's like, you know, we write important things on here. And Angela looks up trap evil, a reviled God. And it's a line from a play. So the doctor's like, it's time to have baby. Like, it's been 24 hours. And Angela's like, yeah, first I need to make a quick detour. And then doctor's like, do I look like a taxi service? Like, no. Um, But she is then, she like then meets Nyla and shares that she solved the, that they solved the riddle. And it points them to an obscure act, one act play. And so she shows Nyla the costumes and, you know, like, with that she's off to have the baby so wesley then like facetimes gray who's with tim lucy nyla and john and he immediately is like gray immediately assumes that something's wrong right because like their last time having a baby there was well not there was something wrong but you know it was leading up to it and wesley is just a proud dad and wants to show off baby girl evers um and so angela then asks if they've caught the guys yet and Wesley asks about Aaron, who's still in a coma, and their worried faces are just, oh my gosh, they hurt. And then when Angela, like, looked over to Wesley after hearing about Aaron, I was like, they're naming this baby Aaron. Like, they have to, right? I don't know. I feel like they just have to at this point. Like, it's just tradition for them. But, 
yeah this episode was a lot but that's about it for that one mm-hmm. it was kind of all over the place as far as the outline but everything like flowed together so nicely it was such a good like team episode mm-hmm. but yeah it always comes at the cost of like someone being in peril mm-hmm. so yeah yep. we do have some listener thoughts do you want to take us uh through the first one uh sure so valerie had said uh the finale was great lots of action and emotion uh if aaron doesn't make it someone needs to start a petition for angela not to have any more kids oh to not name them after i guess yeah gotcha um christopher had said can't wait for season six episode one of the rookie same same mm-hmm. i need to wrap up to this because it's i don't know the rookie definitely knows how to do a mid-season or spring finale and like leave us on the edge of our seats mm-hmm. but again kudos to the writers because without them this would not be happening mm-hmm. but yeah uh mindy had said the rookie finale was so good that Chenford fight scene was epic. Selena stole the episode. Uh, I loved her talking to Aaron at the hospital. He has to be okay. Uh, she's happy Angela had her baby during the episode uh, because uh, they were worried that that would be a cliffhanger. Mm. I never even thought about that being the cliffhanger. I neither. Of course, I didn't. I, I, I don't know. I wasn't really thinking of Angela having the baby yeah in the episode until it happened and I was like oh okay yeah this is a good like a source of happy news yeah I was kind of surprised that they did do it in this episode because I was like I didn't think that she was that far along but I'm glad that they did and I'm glad that we that it was an episode and we didn't just come back from hiatus and we'll pass this baby number two you know Mm-hmm. so um becky had said i liked the rookie you were on the edge of your seat the whole time it got some good chenford moments it's gonna be an interesting season six definitely mm-hmm. i'm glad that they got a season six i mean i feel like the the finale would have been maybe a little different had we not but even then it was already written and filmed by the time they had season six renewal unless they knew about it before i don't know but yeah Mm -hmm. uh bus turtle said everyone really brought their a game this episode and it shows uh from everyone's concern for aaron and selena uh oh to selena feeling uh guilty for not doing enough to very nearly break down uh so harper's uh, look of despair at the thought of never seeing leah again uh the episode was very emotional and a real testament to the talent of the writing team uh and uh they said a horror episode of the rookie is something i didn't even know i wanted uh but they delivered uh some bright spots were Wopez welcoming uh, their baby girl, Sam comforting Lucy, uh, and of course the Balin and Chenford fight scenes. Uh, and uh, they said Selena was the MVP this episode. Uh, she kept Aaron alive long enough to give him a fighting chance and 
um, remember the riddle um, word for word after suffering a concussion. That's, that's badass. Hmm. And um, they wonder about like the cliffhangers, what could possibly have been so important uh, to this person that he was willing to, you know, uh, attack an entire police division just to complete this task. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we'll find out uh, in a few months. And uh, it was amazing. It was an overall amazing episode, solid uh, nine out of 10. And uh, hope Aaron pulls through. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was an amazing overall episode. It was. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, I hope that everything is good with Aaron. I don't know. I have a theory about Selena and Aaron and why they became close. I don't know. I feel like if he dies, which obviously hope that that does not happen, that this whole like thing brings back memories and trauma from her sister's kidnapping and like she wonders if she can save anyone anymore like from bad things happening to them and i'm like obviously you don't want that but it'd bring more character development for selena and that i want but Aaron dying i don't want so if we could have the one without having the other that would be perfect but i don't know that was don't like no if that's after. possible yeah that was maybe it's possible with the rookie they don't they don't traumatize us as much as like other shows do. Well, yeah, but I just mean for that specific thing, I yeah. don't know if one could happen without the other. Yeah, unless there's another major well, kidnapping. It and could I mean Selena could still like blame herself, even though Aaron's fine. It could kind of be like a Brendan and Simone thing, where he's where she's like you know trying to make it up to Aaron all the time, and he's just like no, like it's fine, like we were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like you don't have to blame yourself. And she is kind of like, no, but I am. And you know, then she's like questioning her abilities as a cop. I'm just going to stop talking because this is not making me feel good. And I don't want this to come true. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. um, but yeah, that's about it for the rookie. Mm-hmm. We could start um, with the rookie feds now because this was a good episode too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the rookie feds um, one twenty two is titled Red One. Um, we're gonna start with the attempted murder of an FBI agent. Um, Neil Wazaro was the agent who was at the very beginning of the episode found, or who was buried alive out in the desert. Um, and he was found stumbling around and claims to have no memory of what happened. Uh, he's a part of the Internal Investigation Unit, or the IIU. And since they can't investigate themselves, um, the uh, director, uh, Jack, has called on Garza's team to do it. Uh, and Carter asks why Neil was in Nevada, because he's wandering around outside of Vegas. Um, if the IIU is in DC and Jack said that he was conducting a routine vehicle inspection at the FBI substation in Alexico, California, which I didn't even know was a place in California. So 
I don't know. It's kind of a fun word um, to say too. Um, and so uh, Brendan and Laura are tasked with doing a deep dive on Neil um, and Laura and uh, Matt go to question him. The only thing he remembers is are the two words red one. Well, that and he thinks he met some women uh, at the bar that he was at in Vegas and uh, Antoinette is called in to run tests on him and while all of that's kind of happening Simone and Carter um, Garza had sent them to Las Vegas to retrace Neil's steps and so uh, they're investigating the noise complaint that was made at Neil's hotel room uh, and they get inside they find uh, a UCLA senior named Sam uh, holding what he thinks is a briefcase bomb which according to Carter there there are no such things um there are apparently suitcase uh bombs but not briefcase ones and so when they like kind of get it back from him they they prove that no such thing exists because no explosion actually occurs um when they have it in their possession and um so they asked kind of why he's there and Sam had said some FBI got him and told him that there's national emergency and told him to hold the briefcase. Um, but he didn't know much about the actual party that was going on in the hotel room. He just was worried about this, uh, the briefcase. And, but um, he does remember that one girl named Mandy gave him her number. So uh, Carter and Simone go talk to her and, all she knows, though, is that Neil's friend paid her to show him a good time, and um, his friend gave her uh, Molly to put in his drink, but she insists that she did not drug him. She simply just supplied him with drinks and took the party up to his hotel room. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't know the friend's name, but uh, Simone is convinced that Mandy knows his face, so they are taking her to a sketch artist. And back at the uh, office, uh, Brendan, Laura, and Elena are going over Neil's file, and they discover that he broke his back four years ago, but instead of being forced into medical retirement, his uh, good pal Jack got him to stay on at the IIU. And so Laura kind of wonders maybe if he just wanted it to be like the old days again and kind of, you know, let loose. Um but Antoinette comes back in and mentions that Neil's talk screen shows alcohol, LSD, MDMA, and uh, truth serum in a system. And so it cuts over. Garza's trying to push uh, Wazaro because someone got into his hotel room later and drugged him because the sex workers did not. And Garza knows that he was interrogated because he ended up talking and revealing information. And so the uh, sketches must have worked because they come back with uh, a sketch and Neil points out that that um, looks like Tom, Tom Mathis. Um, and he was the guy that Neil was sent to D.C. to investigate with the vehicle inspection. Um, and so Brendan and Laura are sent to the field office in Calexico to talk to Tom. Uh, they noticed his car is outside the office and Laura says, you know, it's not always just the fender bender because uh, Tom had his girlfriend with him when it occurred. And 
she's doing like one of the things where she like asks not rhetorical questions but is like quizzing brendan Mm -hmm. on like why that's you know not part of the procedure and um he says that's a no because agents aren't allowed to use they keep saying bu cars are short for bureau um they're not allowed to use those cars for personal matters um when they were looking at the car i was like something's gonna happen here like it's gonna blow up or something yeah i thought the car was gonna explode (laughs) um and he asks aloud as they're walking up to the door he's like but if it's just a slap on the wrist or on the on the wrist why would tom want to kill neil over it uh and when they meet uh mathis he doesn't exactly dive into much regarding neil's visit to the office but he does mention that neil wanted him to show him around uh sin city because tom ended up following him to vegas and but then he was like but neil was looking for trouble um and so as he's kind of talking uh laura notices the coffee cups noting how there are three of them and asks if there's anyone else here with him and i love how he was like trying to like go over and like get rid of the cups and brendan's like hey mm-hmm. hey like no because <laughs> they were so warm so obviously these other two people had just yeah. moved out of that space um and i just liked how brendan communicated all this through like eye contact though because you know love those types of nonverbal communication yeah. moments for duos so um but before uh tom can answer laura yells for them to take cover and she ducks behind the door uh brendan and tom duck underneath the desk uh because their shootout uh occurs and the shooters run out but laura gives chase um thank goodness she didn't get shot because the fbi like never has their vests on in like opportune moments or in moments like this i guess um and she ducks behind i guess it was like a stone or like whatever kind of material the sign was made out of um that you know protected her from most of the bullets um and then peeks out around the sign uh shoots one of the uh suspects in the shoulder i think um and they go down by uh tom's car and She's holding her own until Brendan gets out there. Like one, one arm. Uh, he had cuffed Tom, pulling him out, and then the other arm yeah. had his gun out. Um, to tell the other suspect to get, you know, down on the ground, put his hands up. Um, and Laura had shot up the car so much though that the front um fell off and revealed the hidden drugs, and we get the classic. As Jennifer had mentioned, kind of something that you would think would happen in The Rookie happened on Feds where he was like, I can explain that. Yeah. <laughs> and Brunson just looks at each other like, uh-huh, yeah, you're going to. Yeah. Because um, they drag him back uh, to their office. And so when they're questioning Tom, he explained that he's, you know, at the most boring field office and there's nothing to do. And so Brendan's like, so you decide to run drugs for a cartel? And he's like, yeah, well, it, it pays good. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why? That's nuts. Um, Tom was convinced that Neil was onto him from the jump, though. And as Neil and guards are watching Tom in the interrogation room, uh, Neil was like, 
nope i couldn't tell you that tom was running drugs i couldn't have told you anything about that yeah um and um tom figured that if he could catch neil in compromising positions in vegas he could blackmail him into letting the whole car thing go um and so he filmed uh lazaro in vegas but he insisted he didn't do the truth serum uh bit and so uh carter and simone are called to uh the i guess burial site uh where neil was put and find his or the csi tech had found uh his credentials his wallet and an old school lighter but neil's file said that he didn't smoke so maybe the people who buried him did so they're gonna have it dusted for prints and um back at the office brendan's scrubbing through tom's footage of neil and Garza comes in and notices that there are two guys in the background of that video watching uh, Wazara with the women at the bar, and one of them is holding the lighter that Carter and Simone had found earlier. And so, and they want to know what the two men are saying uh, in the background of the video, so they call in Fletcher, um, an ASL agent, and um, Elena had that idea for him to like read the suspect's lips. And they find out that they had said, how long do they, how long do we wait? Um, be patient. Um, not until he's alone. And the red one is not rid one either. It's rid one, which is like a oh, yeah. name, um, according to Garza. So they've got to narrow down who, like, who would have that name. Um, apparently they do um, because... Carter and Simone are still obviously still in Nevada. Um, but they've got uh Ridwan's full name, which is Ridwan Al Nasar. And he apparently flew into the States from Saudi Arabia two days ago, but they don't know exactly why. All they know now is that he's in Seattle. Um mm-hmm. Carter was such a mood, he's like, now we can go home. <laughs> yeah. Because he didn't he didn't want to be in Vegas. He was like, okay, now we can go. Carter um, is just always a mood. Let's be real. Yeah um and elena comes in a little bit later to try to help jog neil's memory saying how you know smells and sounds etc can help um bit by bit his memory started to come back and he finally remembered that aaron moore um who's a retired u.s marshal uh from seattle was the like name that he was supposed to remember um so she must be the next target because mm-hmm. the case Aaron worked with Neil was uh, the case of uh, Jeffrey Kirkhoff, who was a war criminal who became a double agent, apparently, for the FBI. Uh, so he was placed in witness protection, and Neil handed him off to Aaron, and she was the one that placed him, like, in, like, with the new identity, new location, things like that. Uh, and so she's the one that knows Jeffrey's new identity, which is what uh, Rudwan is after. But uh, it's too late because as they're watching the like uh, video footage from Seattle HRT, um, they are at Aaron's house and she's um, already been murdered. Uh, and Kirkhoff must have gotten the new identity and is headed there to now kill uh, Jeffrey. And the camera cuts over to... Uh, agora hills california where um 
we just see the mom and young girl are going inside their house uh but then obviously we realize this is jeffrey's family um because the two suspects are watching them as they go kind of lying in wait to ambush the house uh and jeffrey's identity like his witness protection identity is he's known as sid as his wife calls him um like while they're in the kitchen kind of just you know having a nice family moment Mm -hmm. uh until he kind of spots a flash of movement by the door and tells his wife to take their daughter Lindsay and go upstairs to hide yeah um because they're they're already like raiding the house trying to get um to find everyone to harm them um we see Garza's team arrive at the house Brenson's um going around the back uh Garza Carter and Simone are going through the front entrance and Brenson managed to get one in custody rather quickly uh, and Jeffrey uh, shot one down in his kitchen and but his wife and daughter are like they had uh, hidden in the closet but one of the other uh, suspects found them and made them get out and where they were on the floor of the room and um, his wife and daughter didn't know his real identity obviously and they're um, you know a like Simone had was kind of scouring the upstairs and noticed that um there was you know movement and noise coming down the hall so she was going to go investigate that and she kind of can see around the corner that the wife and daughter are there and about to be shot and killed um when she jumps uh in front of the bullet and lands on the ground and so you think um like that's kind of all like you see it from the you see as she jumps and then you see it from the mm-hmm. body cam angles and you see her just like fall to the ground yeah uh and then so we see uh brendan and carter come in there um they get her laura's cuffing the um one the suspect that fired um and they're checking her for the entry wound of the bullet but then she uh comes to and she's like why are you guys shouting (laughs) like not even like i'm okay she's just like why are you guys shouting Mm -hmm. um they're all worried about her and um so we'll get a little bit more into that like just the aftermath of that uh in a minute but um later garza is talking with jack and saying how he's the one who ordered the uh woodsack for uh jeffrey And he's kind of like, Jack kind of makes it seem, you know, like, oh, it's okay. You know, haven't you ever used a bad guy to catch an even bigger bad guy? And Garza kind of wonders, well, like, how many more types of people are there that they've had to use? Um, And Jack kind of just doesn't really answer and just kind of, you know, is like, good work and you know tell to have garza tell his team thanks uh from him as well and um then a little bit later um elena is talking to matt and you know is asking like well who you know then who really are the good guys um and garza says so that's a good question kind of leaving it open-ended in a way Mm -hmm. so yeah so that was kind of that was like one of the I mean they're kind of like equal in screen time both of these storylines really 
Yeah. Um, Because Simone's birthday was kind of interwoven with the Vegas stuff because she wanted to have fun in Vegas. And um, yeah. So um, for the Simone's birthday portion, um, we, well, it was part of the sneak peek uh, that we had Mm -hmm. seen uh, where, you know, she is um, at, you know, Cuddy's house and they're going over her birthday plans and, you know, how many people are going to be there because the chef needs the head count. Um, and then she kind of goes off uh, looking at the list of RSVPs and who, you know, has or hasn't or who the maybe. And uh, Cuddy kind of mentions how she needs to relax about the number of or lack there of um, in the RSVPs. And, uh, you know, but Simone being Simone, she's like, no, but I know people are going to want to come, you know, and I want everyone who's ever uh you know impacted my life in a way mm-hmm. to be at that party um which is why she's so shocked to see that you know laura had said maybe carter said flat out no and then matt <laughs> didn't even reply uh to her uh, that all invitation. doesn't surprise me yeah and i'm i'm not surprised at all that she is going all out for her birthday like yeah. she is a big birthday queen i feel like mm-hmm. yeah um, and then so we see the other little sneak peek that we got um, of uh, Brendan shows Antoinette the necklace he had gotten or gotten made for Simone because um, uh, based off a photo of the one that her mom used to have um, and Antoinette is like you know it's beautiful but isn't it a little you know thirsty as Americans like to say um, but Brendan doesn't really see much wrong with it even after Elena mentions that Antoinette could possibly be jealous about all the gifts that he's giving Simone for her birthday week, not just birthday, mm-hmm. but birthday week. So it's seven gifts. Um, although today is day six of seven, um, which I seriously want to know what the other five were yeah. then. Cause we know what the seventh one was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then we know what the sixth one is obviously, but I want to know what the other five Laura. And we know that Brendan is a good gift giver, so yeah. as evidenced by his gifts to Laura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I just want to know like gift giving is his love language, but like what does he yeah. love in return? Like, does he love to receive gifts too? Or is he more of like a words of affirmation person? Or I feel like he's a words of affirmation person. I I kind of think so too. Like you'll get into it too with the Antoinette stuff, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I feel like yeah. he has kind of words of affirmation. Yeah, I feel like that's that should be an episode that we do is just talk about like what we think that each character's like love language is. Yeah, I mean, obviously, some have already been well established. Like, right, you know, we know what Chenford's. Yeah, but I feel um, like we could probably come uh, up with more for Chenford too. Okay, we're doing yes. that for a hiatus episode. <laughs> writing it down making a note um yes but anyway um and then we got oh my god I just thought this Carter was just I mean I always appreciate the like comedic timing that James Uh had but just something about just like how he and Nisi just go back and forth Uh back and forth constantly about these the boundaries I just love how he was so blunt about it like they could have their own spinoff show besides (laughs) feds yeah. And I would literally watch every minute of it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Um, because they're at work. Well, because Elena had pulled Brendan out because the director was going to have the meeting before the team was called away for the 
uh, whole thing with Neil. Um, and uh, Simone had saved Brendan a seat uh, in the, again, not a lecture hall, still don't know what the heck to call the room. Um, I hope that we get an official name for it in season two. I don't know. There has to, if anyone, seriously though, if anyone knows like what those names are actually, or what those rooms are actually named, if they're not in a, you know, uh, collegiate setting, do yeah. let me know because driving me nuts driving me nuts i mean i feel like at this point if we don't get it in season two we just need to come up with our own name for it yeah um but anyway and so um she and brendan had literally just sat down it was kind of the necklace was kind of the box or whatever was um in his jacket and someone had kind of noticed that you know he had something and so he had gotten out given it to her and you know she had like just opened it they had their nice little moment and then like laura and carter come up and, and she's like oh you're right carter we do have the best probies ever because they saved us seeds and they literally like the way that i don't know if like it was supposed to be simultaneously delivered but like kevin and nisi both were like and their characters like no he didn't <laughs> like no didn't actually save you guys seats um <sighs> but then carter was like no yeah you did like come on get up <laughs> Um, go stand over there yeah yeah with the uh rest of the agents that lack seniority and i'm mm-hmm. like why does seniority equal a seat yeah <laughs> like why why <laughs> like you think with that many with how big that room's supposed to be i would think mm-hmm. that there'd be enough chairs maybe not um, so is that like equivalent to the rookies on the flagship show having to sit in the front of the room Whereas like I the other P2s, so. yeah. Yeah, get to sit in the back or middle. Because there was one episode where Jackson was in one of their seats, wasn't he? Like they tried to sit in like a different row and Nyla Nyla was like, uh-uh, move. Was it Nyla? It was Nyla, but who was she talking to? Jackson. I don't know, but I know. I mean, I know I can see it in my head. Mm-hmm. I, just can't, I can see her, though. I can't see who she's yeah. talking to. I don't know. I just remember when Nyla sat in the front of the room and Tim was like, what the heck is she doing up yeah. there? And she's like, no, that's where I'm going to sit for the first thing. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I would equate it to the rookie. How yeah. they have, you know, they each kind of have their own uh, spots. Um, but anyway, so um, in that kind of conversation, because Brendan had just like gotten up walked away like you know laura could have his seat whatever Mm -hmm. simone got up still stood there having a full-on conversation with the two of them it's like hey but what about my birthday party advice like you said maybe why'd you say maybe and laura's like well i'm an fbi agent i'm always on call so i'm always a maybe Mm -hmm. um and this is where carter you know goes into while he appreciates that she feels comfortable enough to fraternize with him he can't even say just like hang out he's so comfortable um you know uh they need to like re-establish their boundaries and kind of reset everything and simone doesn't understand why that can't happen tomorrow and he's like no it's gotta stop like right now Mm -hmm. um and so kind of so like I said, Brennan had given Simone the sixth gift. Um, and later on, um, before they or as they're kind of arriving at the Colexico office, um, 
his connection to Lizzo falls through with his former publicist. So Simone won't, uh, you know, get the happy birthday uh, sung to her by the famous singer like Brendan had planned. And Laura mentioned how, you know, while she knows that he prides himself on being the best gift giver, like aren't, you know, seven gifts a bit much and, um, you know, couldn't he could he be overcompensating and I I just love how they did the back and forth and he's like mm-hmm. no I'm not and she's like no yeah you are yeah. <laughs> like, she's right always um oh I and... love the partnership dynamics in the in the show yeah that's what so makes good. it so good that's what makes like all the case jargon and like the FBI stuff that they talk mm-hmm. about and do like tolerable i'm not that it's not but like i don't know it's easier to kind of like comprehend and doesn't make it so case heavy when there's fun jabs with the partners Mm -hmm. yeah um and so um while carter and simone are in um vegas um you know she um she does like she's sitting at the I guess at a bar um and Carter you know it said since they have to stay the night or whatever like he's ready to like just go turn in like he's done for the day um but he kind of like pauses for a moment kind of turns back around and is like unless you really you know like want me to stay down here and he kind of just you know asks why her 49th birthday is so important to her and uh Simone had said that her mom didn't make it to hers and um you know so she had um passed when she was uh 48 and literally though like as soon as they said that all I could think about was um the lyric in uh Dylan Connick's song for birthday cake yes (laughs) that was literally all I thought of I was like whoa like probably unintentional but just Mm -hmm. I mean yeah um, the fact that that was yeah um but anyway, Simone had said that, you know, her mom was like the glue that held the family together. And so uh, she kind of knows how, you know, precious these life moments are. And she wants to kind of, you know, do what she can to celebrate the life that she's, you know, thankful to have now. Um, and so obviously she does. I mean, because she ends up, you know, gambling and, um, you know, telling Carter that she's always lucky on her birthday and you know, he doesn't really buy into the whole luck thing. So she's like, okay, fine, give me a dollar. And she plays it into the slots and she doesn't win on her on her first go. And Carter's like, hey, now I'm really leaving. Like, bye-bye. And like as soon as he walks away, she goes again and wins the twenty-five thousand dollars. And I was like, Wow. Yeah. I love that he like made an effort to ask like mm-hmm. more about her personal life. Because mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like he wouldn't normally do that so yeah because he was you know even Simone was like what about your boundaries and he's like well no it's like your day so mm-hmm. he kind of I think just made that and he like um, wished her a happy birthday like oh my gosh I love yeah. these these two yeah well because like even on the plane when they're going to Vegas because she was like wow how do you you know like what do you not celebrate your birthday and he's like nothing's ever really good after 25 and she's like what the heck's so special about being 25 and he's like you get the discounts on the car rentals and she's like laughing as if he's joking and he's being completely serious and she's yeah like, oh <laughs> okay yeah so like they're definitely not on the same page when it comes to things like that but it's nice that yeah. they kind of could find that common ground um with that 
and um back at the um office brendan you know was kind of was making some more calls trying to you know come up with a new gift uh for simone uh to no avail and antoinette asked him you know why he's doing all this and um you know he had kind of asked you know well like kind of he wondered why she was wondering about it and you know asked if she was jealous but she just wanted to know like what was so special about you know Simone to him and he tells her about how you know he like Quantico was really bad for him with training and everything and um basically like every day he kind of you know either wanted to quit or essentially go on a bender um and you know he was like no one really seemed to care or like no one helped him really except for Simone um which is why he kind of he like in he tells Antoinette that basically you know, like everything good that he has now is like because of her and so he feels that he's you know indebted to her and mm-hmm. um Antoinette kind of tells him like not exactly like that he should cut himself some slack um because he doesn't owe anyone anything and she's like 100 percent sure if Simone were there at that moment that she'd say the same thing um, yeah and that is proven later when you know after um Simone is uh shot and at the hospital and everything um apparently the bullet caught the vest um which I didn't really I mean like I figured it did but like I don't because you didn't even like I couldn't even see it like had punctured the vest or not you know yeah. so I was like did she really get shocked because they kept mentioning like the bruise or whatever and I was like mm-hmm. okay did it just like hit, like the impact of like doing all of it yeah. like just you know like injure her like I didn't understand at first I didn't even realize that she got shot though like I knew that someone went down but I thought it was the mom that got mm-hmm. shot like I didn't realize that it was Simone so mm-hmm. yeah that kind of threw me off but yeah it was kind of I don't know not weird that she was bruised from it but it was kind of like well where is the bruise happening because you don't yeah. actually see yeah. the bullet like hitting the vest so yeah, yeah. um and so um and Brennan's kind of there like you know just kind of sitting and talking and he you know kind of mentions you know about the you know how everything had worked out you know or almost worked out for her birthday and you know she reassures him that the you know true gift is getting to work with him on the job every day because you know he's her best friend she's his best friend they're you know the the bestie duo this show really like shows the best friend like partnership Mm -hmm. dynamic which i feel like they kind of needed anyway for season one yeah but i love it again we need a season two like right now stat yeah um and she had asked what time is it and he's like oh it's almost nine and um because her um because cuddy had called um kind of on cue and mentions how everyone's there for the party um but you know the birthday girl is not um and Simone you know tells him that uh she was shot but the vest stopped the bullet um and you know she's like keep everyone there like I'll be there in a little bit um and he's like okay and so they hang up um 
and Carter comes and asks if she needs anything and she says that she does I'm assuming the need that she asked for is like for someone to call Antoinette or call everyone else back into the office like I didn't really know what it was um because Antoinette showed back up and told Garza at the end of the episode like you know she was told to come here um and basically we um for the end scene you know we see Simone Simone's all dressed up and all you know like freshened up even you know despite having been shot Mm -hmm. uh that day and you know it's going over everything about you know in just such a positive way you know putting a positive spin on everything you know she got to go to Vegas she got to save a mom and daughter she got to you know uh win the 25 grand almost 30 after playing the uh craps table take down a like briefcase nuke everyone's reactions uh, to finding out these things were hilarious yeah Carter's like, wait, no, that's real. That's what happened. Like, you won twenty five thousand. I was like, oh my god, this man. Yeah, and Garza was so like, funny. did she say briefcase news? Like, yeah. what is this? And Laura was like, I'm still thinking about the twenty five grand that she won. Like, that's fine. Like everyone um, moved on, and Garza's like, briefcase nuke. Well, yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, and so Simone's basically insisting that um everyone's going to her birthday party and probably because i've seen nisi in so many other things but like when she was delivering this not really a monologue i don't know what else to call it though like the you know she like turns to laura and is like your maybe's a hell yes and you know like brendan's the you know ride or die so of course you know mm-hmm. he's coming and elena's down for anything and da 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 like she just like she got in this like voice i don't know how to explain it but just very like not casual but i don't know just like sassy i guess i don't yeah. know um that she's done in like her other roles too it was like I was like I just got like a total flashback <laughs> to her in like other roles I was like whoa this is like classic yeah Nisi acting um yeah so um she you know does convince everyone to uh go to the party because we see the group kind of walking out together looking all happy smiley and so at least one episode ended uh, mm-hmm. on a even though it's still technically like open ended, yeah, um, it was a happier open. Ending. I'm glad that it was because I mean, obviously, again at this point, like we don't know the outcome if we're going to season two. So I'm glad that it ended better. Like it didn't have like huge cliffhanger. So yeah, yeah. But I loved the found family aspect. Like it reminded me again of the Thanksgiving episode. Like they all came around and oh, I love it. Yep. We did have one listener thought for the rookie feds. Valerie had said, I really liked the feds finale. I imagine Carter having a personal rules list like gives from NCIS. I don't really watch NCIS. I've caught it a few times, but yeah, he definitely like has a, a personal, personal rules list. Yeah, like a like a boundaries list. Yeah. He definitely does. It's probably laminated and like, I don't know, hanging up everywhere where he would see it too. Because he yeah. is very much like a stickler for the rules, I feel like. I could see it just like he would like make a side list, like specifically if Simone like comes up with more, you know, things to invite yeah. him to. Yeah. He'd like have one pull out of his pocket and be like, this mm-hmm. is why this is not happening. This is why this can't happen. Yeah. Like, no, no, and no. 
And he's probably showed Laura too. And he's like, look at this list that I created and mm-hmm. all that. I thought it was funny too when he recoiled seeing the bearded dragon or like the lizard that was thing. So funny. I was like, so this funny. man literally gets so excited for Bigfoot and it's a lizard and he's like jumping back. <laughs> so funny. And then he was like, who put the top hat on him? Why is he there? And I'm like, Dude, like you're talking about the top hat now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. We just, we need more Carter Hope, please. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that's it for us on the Rookie and the Rookie Feds finale. I can't believe that, like, we're here. Like, we've made it through another season. Mm-hmm. And now we have a hiatus to to wait through. But it'll be fun. We'll have Chumford Week. We're going to do a Love Languages episode. Other episodes. Yeah. yeah. So um you guys can find us on Twitter at the shop talk pod underscore or email us at shop talk the rookie podcast at gmail.com with all of your thoughts. Um, I mean, over the summer, like I'm gonna be definitely watching all the shows that I've missed out on. I don't know about you, but we'll be yeah. watching other things. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you can find us individually on Twitter as well. I'm at jstark 804 and I'm at Kara Hyman. And we're also on TikTok at the Shop Talk Podcast underscore. Um, if you liked this episode of and Shop Talk as a whole, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps out the podcast and helps other fans find us. Um, and we're going to be taking a little break next week. Um, but we will be figuring out our summer schedule. Um, and we'll be sure to let you know what we're doing next on our Twitter page. Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. Go get him, boo.